The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about the standards for evaluating your content marketing efforts. Joining us again is Chris Vitti, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Notch, which is an independent standard for content marketing ROI. Notch helps CMOs and their teams measure the impact and the outcome of their content marketing efforts via real-time actionable intelligence across their content investment. And yesterday, Chris and I walked through how to create purposeful content using data. And today we're going to discuss how you can measure the overall value of your content. All right, here's the rest of my conversation with Chris Vitti, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Notch. Chris, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be back. Great to have you back. Yesterday, we covered a lot of ground talking about the content production process and about how you can evaluate what content you should be producing. Let's talk about the flip side of the coin. You go through the process of doing your keyword research. You're looking at what your competition is writing. You're going and creating your content. You're publishing it and you're syndicating it in with other publishers. How do you figure out what the value of your content is? What's the standard look like? So really two big points on that. One is we really focus on being totally independent and unbiased. And by that, I mean that the notch analytics are consistent across both your own channels and your paid channels so that you're always looking at the same set of metrics and it's first-party data that you own forever. And most importantly, it allows you to have an independent view of how your content is performing across the board. By that, I mean, oftentimes brands will have their own properties and they'll be using tools like Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics to measure the success of those own properties. And then separately, they'll have paid efforts going on with publishers and those publishers will have their own set of tools and metrics that they report back to their client on. And really what we do is try to boil that down to a simple set of metrics that can be trusted by the brands that we work with. So again, It's the exact same set of metrics across the board, and it's data that you own forever. And the second piece to that is very often in tools like Google Analytics, you're looking at page views, you're looking at some basic demographics, but really what you're not getting is how effective that content was in terms of meeting the needs of the reader. And that's one of the areas that we really focus a lot on is 
how do you feel about the content that you're reading? So forget about whether a certain gender is reading the content or they're from a certain location. It's more about, I just read this piece of content or I just watched this video. How do I feel about what I just watched? Did it hit the mark or did it not? Did it change my perception of the brand that I was reading about? So that's really an area that our customers come to us for is, okay, it's very easy to get those typical data points that everyone's used to, but how do I really understand if my content is successful and how can I find that out essentially in real time so I can adjust it and optimize it so I get the greatest return on investment midway through a program or a campaign rather than waiting until the end. Because what we hear a lot from our customers is that when they work with publishers, for example, there might be a certain lag. It could be weeks, sometimes it's even months before they get the full picture of how their content is performing. And really what we want to do is give them that insight immediately into how that content is performing so they can adjust it and optimize their content strategy and, of course, their budget along the way. So a couple of different pieces to break down there. First and foremost, you're looking at essentially data or KPI consolidation. You're trying to figure out what the common metric is between your internal data, your Adobe metrics, or your Google Analytics, and what your publishers are handing you. You mentioned that you could look at page views and time on site. Talk to me about how you evaluate the impact content can have at different stages of your funnel. Is there a common way to look at whether a piece of content is great for lead generation? Is it good for retention? Is it driving someone through the conversion funnel? How do you evaluate the impact of a piece of content without just saying, okay, it A, got someone to the website and B, they bought something? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. So that is an area of the platform that we're really focusing on right now. So we talked about planning in the previous episode. We're talking about measurement right now. Really what we're focused on building right now for our customers, and we have a few beta customers working in it right now, is that content journey. So how do you break up the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel? How do you assign content to each area of the funnel? And then how do you ensure or encourage your customers to take the higher value actions that you want them to take? That is all in development right now. And that is, again, being piloted by a handful of our customers at the moment. That to me is one of the biggest challenges of content marketing. I think it's one of the biggest misunderstood value of content. And maybe it's just marketing in general, is that there are different stages of the funnel. And I think of content having different purposes, where you have your interest level content, something that's engaging, short form content that's top of the funnel, right? That's your tweet level stuff or your, call it BuzzFeed, your top five list, something that's just going to help you understand who is going to self-select to be interested in your brand. Then you get down into your product stuff and then you get down into your sales collateral and the reasons why someone should buy. And I'm thinking more of a SaaS model here as opposed to e-commerce when you're going back into your content strategy and you're thinking about what content to produce and how you're evaluating it, do you recommend that brands go through and identify individual pieces of content for a stage of their funnel? Or are we just saying, hey, we want to rank for these types of terms. Let's just see if we can get as many eyeballs. We'll get someone to our website and hopefully we'll retarget them from there. What's the sort of end goal that you're targeting when customers are putting their content plan together? I think the short answer is absolutely. We definitely want customers to be thinking about the different phases of the funnel. So the most common phases are awareness, consideration, and decision. So top, middle, bottom. 
but each customer may have different terms for the funnel. They may even have more than three different phases. But we are always encouraging our customers to be thinking about the content that they're creating for each phase of the funnel and mapping that content to those phases of the funnel. So I would say that's something that we absolutely recommend to our customers. The other thing worth pointing out is that if you do look at content at the bottom of the funnel, you're, of course, thinking about return on investment. Very often, ROI comes in the form of deal value. So did this piece of great content turn into wins for us, for example? And what was the value of those wins? I think it's interesting there because even if you do have a piece of content that is performing nicely at the bottom of the funnel and turning it to wins for you, there's still a very good chance that you could optimize that content even further based on, again, not just the standard metrics that you would be looking at normally, but also how people feel about the content that they're reading. So even if something is producing 2x or 3x ROI for you at the bottom of the funnel, it's very likely that you can still make improvements to that content to turn it into 4x or 5x for you at the end of the day. It's funny. I just went through this exercise trying to value a podcast. There's another show that I work on, which we're talking about transferring the IP to fold it into the podcast network that I'm building. We had to go through this exercise of saying, okay, we've produced 157 pieces of content. What is the value to the brand? And what is the value to me as the content producer? And the methodology that we looked at was of the pieces of content, how many can we directly attribute that as the first touch? So it ended up being a lead generation tool. And we assigned a specific value for lead generation based on what the performance marketing for a lead capture would be. Then we looked at how many different marketing channels on average touched a consumer and what the value of those consumers were. And so we created a middle of funnel touch value. And then we looked at the directly attributable value where the podcast was the last touch. And we added those all up and said, okay, this is what the value of a piece of content was. And the funny thing going through this, and not everything is a podcast, and this was a relatively niche show, but the value for the pieces of content was actually spread relatively evenly, and it was a little weighted towards the bottom, towards the conversion funnel, which was surprising to me. I thought that content would be mostly a lead generation tool. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. When you're thinking about the value of content, do you think that content has a purpose mostly at the top of the funnel? Is it middle of funnel? Is it bottom of funnel? How do you evaluate the overall ROI of a content suite? I think traditionally, most marketers think of content at the top of the funnel. A lot of people have come from the HubSpot school of thought, which is create lots of great content around topics that have high demand, and then will attract lots of visitors to your website. That's where that really comes from. But to your point, it doesn't have to be just at the top of the funnel. Just like you, we see a lot of effective touch points, middle of the funnel and even bottom of the funnel. And I think really the reason for that is that, sure, you want to use content for lead generation. But then also when you're working with a potential customer and you're working through your deal cycle, which in many cases can be months, you really want to show them that you're a thought leader in your space and you're an expert. And I think every time you touch them with a piece of content that reinforces that point, you push them a little bit further and further down to the funnel. So just like you said, you have your first touch and trying to understand what that is, but then what are those pieces of content in the middle of the funnel that push the prospect down a little bit further until they eventually come out as a win, hopefully, on the other end. So like you said, I don't think it's necessarily top, middle, or bottom. There can be different content types that could be used in different areas of the funnel. But then when you come back to the ROI conversation, when we look at the effectiveness of all the content assets that we're creating, and those content assets, of course, take a long time to produce, right? If you're creating valuable content, it probably doesn't happen overnight. You're investing a lot of time and hours and resources and budget into that content. And so we are measuring every piece of valuable content that we produce. And at the end of the day, looking at the ROI of it. So in that example, we are looking at customers that we've won. And really, what is the the value of those customers? And how were they touched by these different content assets along the way during their journey to becoming a customer? And that really informs us as a marketing team in terms of what we should be doing more of and what we should be doing less of. So when you think of a typical chart, you've got your best performing content and then your worst performing content at the bottom. Of course, we'll look at that chart and we'll make decisions and say, okay, this piece of content at the bottom that's not performing has been out in the wild for, let's say, 12 months, which is a long time, and it's still not performing. It's probably a topic or a type of content that we shouldn't produce anymore. And instead, let's take a look at the top of the chart where there is some really great content assets, where there are really great content assets and they are performing. And how can we do more of that? How can we create more assets around those topics, or if it's a certain content type that's effective, you know, whether it's a white paper or an ebook or a podcast, how can we do more of those content types because our customers are seeing them as high value? So again, it's really, you come back to ROI at the end of the day, and that is one of the core ways that we run our team on the marketing side, and also one of the ways that we suggest our customers think about their content. The last thing I want to ask you about is you mentioned understanding the sentiment that your content consumer's mindset when they read a piece of content. How do you use data to get inside the customer's head and understand what the impact a piece of content has outside of just the page view, time on site, and standard metrics? 
Yeah, one example that I touched on earlier is not only was this content valuable to the reader, you know, that certainly could be, yes, it was extremely valuable or was partially valuable or not valuable at all. Our scale tends to be a five-point scale, but it also could be about brand perception rate. And so one of the things that we really focus on with our customers is how can we help you be a better storyteller? How can we help you deepen the relationship with your customers and extend that lifetime of the relationships with your customers. And in doing that, some of the questions that will get asked in what we call our notch feedback unit that displays at the bottom of content assets is, did this content change your perception of the brand that you were just reading about? That's one of the ways that we really try to get into the quality of the content and look at the qualitative aspects rather than just the quantitative. I think at the end of the day, when you think about content, there are multiple facets for how it can be evaluated and understanding what you're trying to accomplish, understanding where a piece of content is designed to have an impact in the funnel, and then being able to evaluate not only the clicks and the metrics of what happens on your site, but also the impact that has on the customer's understanding of your brand creates a holistic view of how valuable a piece of content is. Chris, at the end of the day, when you're evaluating things like content and content marketing as a channel, as opposed to additional investment in paid marketing, how do you think about the holistic value of content compared to paid marketing? It's an interesting question, especially as we get into budget season. A lot of companies are in budget season right now, thinking about how much budget they're going to allocate to paid next year versus owned, and how will that possibly shift? We really help our customers focus on both sides, right? Paid and owned. And we actually started out focused on paid and we've added owned through the years. Both of them are equally important for our customers to understand and of equal importance from a product development perspective for us. But I think what we want customers to do is produce great content. At the end of the day, we want to help them produce content that helps them, again, deepen that relationship with their consumers. If they can do that on their own channels, we certainly want to help them do that. And a lot of our customers have some really great content hubs with some amazing content assets on it. So if we can help them create better content and measure that content and optimize that content on their own channels and on their content hubs, then we certainly want to help them do more and more of that. And if that's not fully working for them, we, of course, want to be a partner for them and help them figure that same story out, but on the paid side, working with their publishers. And I think the important thing to underscore there is that we really want to stop our customers from just people call it the spray and pray approach, where they just go out to as many publishers as they can, and their budget really kind of gets diluted and in many cases wasted on publishers that really don't have the right audience that that brand is looking for. That's why we focus so much in the planning process in terms of our customers identifying the exact publishers. It's really matchmaking for publishers identifying those publishers where the audience that they're going after actually does exist and is consuming content. So that's really the other side of the coin is if you are going to have both an owned and paid strategy, how can we make it most effective for you and make the best use of your budget? So a perfect example would be a brand, one of our customers is working with 10 different publishers. And we would sit down with them and make sure that those publishers were the right ones and even if they chose those 10 publishers and one of them turned out not to be a good fit, 
what, again, we really want to do is help our customers understand that in real time rather than waiting until the campaign or the program ends. Because if they identify that real time, they can take the budget from that one publisher that's not performing and move it to the other nine that are performing. So again, that's something that we really focus on with our customers. I think at the end of the day, when you're thinking about evaluating the value of content marketing and you're comparing it to your paid marketing efforts, the thing to keep in mind is that content marketing is a much more nuanced type of marketing. It can be something that takes a longer time to show maturity, but it's an asset that you own and can continue to drive value over time if you continue to invest in your content marketing efforts. Content marketing can also be much more flexible. You can have a piece of content that supports the beginning, middle, and end of the funnel as opposed to a performance marketing channel. You kind of have to pick one or the other if you're going to do lead generation or focus on direct response and conversions. So at the end of the day, content marketing, incredibly valuable and understanding and being able to analyze the performance of your content, a really important topic for marketers. Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show and walking us through your thoughts and not just philosophy on how to evaluate content marketing. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. And I think the biggest takeaway I would say is creating great content that your consumers will love is really hard. It's hard work. It can be difficult, but we really don't want brands or customers to ever give up. We really want to help them understand that and get past some of those challenges, make sure they're measuring the content, optimizing the content and doing all of it in real time. So The big takeaway for me is it can be difficult, but don't give up. There are ways to plan it out and measure the effectiveness and optimize along the way in real time. It may be hard. That doesn't mean that it's not worth it. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Chris Vitti, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Notch for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Chris Vitti, C-H-R-I-S-V-I-T-T-I. And his company's website is notch.com, K-N-O-T-C-H.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is Ben J. Schaap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And our show handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, which is live on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.